0: But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. All right. Looks like we're a little bit ahead of schedule. Things seem to take a different turn when the full staff isn't here. Our team is not feeling well, and another had to go to work this morning, and so um, I, I I appreciate you having to put up with me <laughs> during this time. Yes, as I've always said before, uh, I, I don't care what you sound like. And then I have to rephrase it. Okay, God God doesn't care what you sound like, but uh, <laughs> I'm Amen. glad that you guys are worshiping with us this morning, Amen. and uh, you're here uh, whether on uh, our Facebook live stream. Or uh, even SoundCloud. Even afterward, after we're, we're, we're done with this, as, as you probably know, or maybe you don't. We have uh, a YouTube channel as well, and yeah. we're building a uh, we're building a website as, and that's coming up really quick, really soon. Everything's going to be the same name, North Park uh, BC uh, BC Church uh, at dot org or something like that. I'll get that. I'll get that correctly. But it's all on North Park. But for now, let me have you open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to go through the first 15 verses. And there is something to be said about these verses. If you look around throughout our world, if you look around throughout uh, our state, our city, you would probably agree with me that there is a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of evil going on around us, even within the families. Uh, even it would, to be, to be blunt, in some churches, I mean, we can stand here and make a list of all the evils in the world, and and they all have one thing in common. I mean, we we can talk about terrorism, we can talk about violence, we can talk about extortion, we can talk about um, all kinds of things—drugs, gangs, you name it. And all these evils that are out there, they have one thing in common, and I and I'm going to share that with you today. And what that is, I'm sorry. The Antichrist. Well, definitely. But he is using something that uh, many people sometimes don't even realize. And as a matter of fact, you and I use that same thing. We, We employ that and we go after that. And in and of itself, it is not evil. But the Bible says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. And when you think about everything that is going on within the world, the root of everything has to do with money. Whether it's drugs, gangs, politics, whether it's riots, whether it's whatever it is, wars and all these things that go on. And the Bible is so clear that it talks about that money is the root of it all. Now, it's not saying that money is evil. Please don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, money is part of what we do and what we need to do in order to be able to uh, make things work. And, And when Paul talks to Timothy about... The love of money and what money does, and the things that happen within the realm of finances and material blessings and the material things that we have. Paul is making a case for for Timothy. He says, You know, there's some things that you need to know about teachers and false teachers and true contentment. And he tells him, If you want to turn with me there, I'm going to be reading out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because what Paul does in these next two chapters, in these next two chapters, chapters 8 and and chapters 9, for 39 verses, Paul is talking about giving and what giving does and how it helps and promotes. As a matter of fact, giving is, is on Paul's mind constantly. In 1 Corinthians, we saw a little bit about the giving as well. We saw how giving is able to bless other churches and, and bless other people. And so when Paul is talking about giving, he's talking to us, he's talking to you. But in First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, in First Timothy chapter six, <clears throat> in First Timothy chapter six, and I'm going to read only the first few verses of uh, verse two and on, he says this to Timothy, "Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversies and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicious, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And what Paul is referring to here is that they believe that by all this bantering and talking back and forth, and and being able to to Fight and debate and, and even contradict in a sense. And, and it, was, it was that type of a setting where people, the loudest person would be the one that they would go and see and that they would pay and they would give. And the more, the, the louder you got, the more controversial you got almost is, well, you received a lot of the finances. And Paul says, you know, they, they, they believe, they imagine that this godlessness is a means of gains. And then he says, but godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Paul says we should be content with just the basic necessities of life. As he tells the people in Philippi, he says, my God will supply all your needs. That's all we need. Whatever we need, he'll supply it. Not all my greed, but all my need. And then he goes on to say, but if we have food and clothing, with these things we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with pangs. It's this craving, this desire, this yearning that everything that you do, you wake up in the morning and it's a matter of trying to find this uh, commodity. And, and God says, I can take care of you. Let me take care of you. I will supply all your needs. Now, money, when used properly, it It helps. As a matter of fact, uh, he goes on to say in verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Paul is always going to the spiritual side of what it is that we should be craving. Loving, Loving money makes people forget God. It does loving money, uh, and they trust in the riches rather than in Him. They're deceived. They compromise their convictions. They become proud. They even steal from God, is what Malachi says, where they don't give their tithes and their offerings, and they ignore the needs of others. It causes people to pursue it illegally by stealing it, whether directly or indirectly, by causing uh, by fraud, by extortion, by loaning it out, overcharging interests, by. Uh, Gambling, which is foolishly trusting God, or excuse me, which foolishly trusts in chance rather than the providence of God. And and the Bible never says, thou shall not gamble. But to be honest with you, beloved, gambling is a form of not trusting God. And, And if you want to get to a verse that kind of gets to the point of thou shall not gamble, The verse that I would use is the verse that Jesus used when he said, "'Love your neighbor as you love yourself.'" That's the golden rule. And it's, it's interesting on how that golden rule is the one key that should help us in understanding that gambling is, is not, we're not loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because when I put $5 down, and you put $5 down, and you put $5 down, and I know $5 isn't much right now, but you put all that, I am hoping, I even pray, God, make them all lose so that I can win. That is my prayer. Whatever it is that anybody puts down, I am betting that you're going to lose it all. And on top of that, we're going to bet again. And I want you to lose that as well. so that I And I walk away happy, and everybody else is kind of like with the smirk, well, you know, it was just the game. It's only money. How am I going to pay the rent this month? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You know, how am I going to, I'll, I'll gamble again. Beloved, Gambling is, is a form of idolatry. It's seeking after the almighty dollar. Gambling is such a is such a form of, of actually just being an, an atheist. You're believing that God can't fulfill all your needs. God can't take care of your needs. Now, I understand there's some people that do this on a You know, just a sport or a hobby, and they like doing that, and, and you know, they're not taking from Peter to go out and gamble with Paul. Not that Paul was a gambler. I mean, and I understand that some people do it, you know, very casually, but every time that I participate in that type of a game, the game that is being played is that you have to lose. The person next to you has to lose, and everybody else that is involved. Now, you might gain something, but you're gaining it from people that have lost. And we have no idea as to what it is that they have lost. I've heard people tell me, you know, I says, well, you know, Pastor, if I win the lottery, when I win the lottery, as a matter of fact, when I win the lottery, if I hit a million bucks, I'm going to give 10% to the church, right off the top, give 10%. And, and, you know, here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. You win a million bucks. Well, I'm not saying you, but people win a million bucks. And they say, all right. They pull out their checkbook and they put it down and they say, all right, let me write this out to the church. And 10%, how much is 10%? That's 100,000 dollars. Right. Man, that's, right. that's a lot of money. The church don't need that much money. you know, I'm, I'm just going to give maybe 10,000 $10, dollars. Man, that's a lot of money. You know, I'll give one I'll give percent, or not even one percent, Just I'll give 1,000 dollars. That's a lot. And they'll be happy. and I'll be able to wave it around. I'm giving 1,000 dollars to the church. You know, not that that's ever happened here. I don't know. We're not going to turn it away, <laughs> but I'm not going to encourage it either. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you pretend or you think that that's what you're going to do, and money that is brought in on big, large amounts, beloved, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but back in my day before Christ, I experienced that, and all it did was just lead me into a, a deeper hole. I, I I got further behind that I, all that time I was trying to get further ahead. Those who violate biblical principles in regard to money, they find that they never have enough. And that's what was happening to me. People in that situation need to consider whether they are actually in need of more money or, or merely just want more. You know? and, and so what we ought to do is recognize that the limited resources that God may be giving us and, and providing for us is a way of telling us, look, stop, look at your priorities. Look at what I can do for you. The misuse of God's resources is given in the past, especially for those that abuse credit, may lead to a lack of resources in the present. Now, we're going to talk about tithing. But before I talk about tithing, I need to take you back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when people tithe, and I want you to know this, this was not a, uh, this was not a command to do every time you got together or every time you made a paycheck. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, if you want to follow the Old Testament law, you did it just once a year. You came and you gave your tithe once in a year and that was it. You only gave of, and you didn't everything else that you made, it wasn't 10% of what you gave. And that was that was the commandment for the Jewish people. Now we have used that as a guide, but tithing is not requested or required or demanded from the church. As a matter of fact, if you've been following me for any length of time, you'll come to know that I rarely ever speak about giving or tithing or money in any way, shape, or form. But when it comes up, then I need to bring up the topic as to all the way around as to what it means. And so for the next two chapters, for the next 39 verses, we're going to be talking about giving. And so Paul just puts this in here right at a time when we're thinking, man, who can afford to give? Who can afford to give during these times? especially during all the stuff that's going on. Why would you even preach that? Well, to be honest with you, beloved, it's because that's where I'm at. That's where God has led us to this point. And as I said before, all the way through first, every book that we've we've studied, it's been very appropriate right for the day and time. Now, I'm not really too sure how this is going to come out as of yet, but I know that God is faithful and His word never returns void. Amen. Amen? So Paul is talking about... Giving. He's talking about you should work. You know, money is something that we need in our life to to, to live on. That's how God blesses us back. In the Old Testament time, it was through goats and sheep, and they bartered through those things. Some of those things you would be able to exchange for a commodity, for a a silver coin, a a diner, or, or something of the sort. But for most people, most common people, it was the things that they did, and they worked with their hands. And today, that is now reflected in the income that we have. As a matter of fact, back then, they would pay people in a high commodity in rock. They would pay people in rocks. Now, once I tell you what rock this was, it wasn't a diamond, it wasn't a ruby, it wasn't a gem. It was salt. Salt was a high commodity. As a matter of fact, that's where we get our word "salary" from, and this is why we say, you know, the person is not—he's not worth his weight in salt. And they would pay you in salt because it was something that was you can use and you can parse it out, and you can purchase certain things and and barter with other people. But the fact is, is that when we talk about finances, we talk about the income that we receive, Paul is saying that we need to look at it in such a way that it is a blessing from God. Amen. I have talked with many people about finances, and I have suggested, you know, you need to be generous. I can't be generous. I remember there was one young lady that uh, her husband had just left her, and she had two children, was barely making it through life, and and uh, and I it was during one of those times I was preaching the service. She came up to me, she said, you know, Pastor, I, I just can't. I can't afford to. I just I really. <laughs> wish I could, but I really can't. And I says, I, you know, I, I'm not asking you to do something that you cannot do, but everybody can do something. She, she left that afternoon, and she went home, she prayed about it, and she says, you know, God, I don't, it's, I, I don't already have enough money. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't make it, I can't make ends meet. I'm just going to trust you on this. You know, and then for the next six months, things just seem to be falling into place for the family. Things were just falling into place. The letters from the creditors stopped coming in. The bill collectors stopped calling. The people started, she started to feel more at peace. She didn't wake up with headaches and wondering where the next morsel was going to come from. God somehow took care of all her things. And by the end of the year, by the end of the year, she came up and she says, you know, pastor, I've been doing this. Actually, she told me that uh, prior to that. But by the end of the year, she was so caught up with everything. And she says, I don't know how that happened. Nothing has changed. My income hasn't changed. God has provided every single step of the way. She came up here and she gave her testimony, and she says, "You know, I, I just—I never thought I could. I never thought I can give, let alone ten percent. You know, and that was just the challenge. And and she says, and from that point forward, I'd never stopped. Beloved, it is amazing <laughs> on what God does. We're going to talk about that at the end of this. Uh, at the end of this message because God says he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly and it, it's dependent upon how you view how you look at how you gauge and the things that you see that money can do or not do so so the church was in need and and we're talking about Macedonia and Paul says and I, and I want I want to read this that's just the introduction I want to read this portion all right as a matter of fact we just already did but let me go ahead and read it again it says, oh no, I haven't read it, I'm sorry. It, it says this in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. He says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, that uh, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, In knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And in the matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness is desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable, according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. Father in heaven, thank you once again for this portion of scripture. I know that no other topic within the church seems to bring uh, ugly feelings and thoughts and all kinds of things, experiences that they have seen and heard of and been a part of projects that they've been parts of and and found later to be false or phony, things that they have given to and realized that it just didn't pan out the way they thought. And I know that money is a topic, Father, that seems to cause all kinds of dissension and thought and process. So, Father, I pray that you help us to understand what Paul is trying to say here and how we are to apply it to our life. So, Father, we just want to bless you and be uh, diligent in searching your scriptures, your word, as far as what Paul is trying to get across here to the church in Corinth. So Father, once again, we just thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen Amen. and amen. amen, all right. Now, first and foremost, once again, like I said my prayer, few topics stir up the emotions of people more, less more than money. I mean, it, it, there's contributions, the fundraising campaigns, there's all kinds of perceived and appropriate intrusiveness and offensiveness, the, the handling of the finances, what happens, what doesn't happen. And I bet we can sit here and we can probably talk about things that you have heard of, maybe been a part of, on how that has affected you and your family, and basically your faith and all. Now, on top of that, for most people... People don't want to come to church to hear uh, or be, be taught and preached to about their money. It's just not something that they want to hear. And, and so, like I said earlier, that's not something that we talk about or preach about on a regular basis. There's pastors and there's churches that we got to give, we got to give, the building program, the lights, the, you know, and we got to give, give again. I went to a church one time where they passed the plate around three times. First time it was for the pastor. Second time it was for the building. Third time it was for the facility. You know, it was just like. Can't everybody just give all at once? Well, sometimes they do. Some, they want to give to a certain... You know, to me, it was kind of strange, but that's the way it was. That's the way they operated. And so it's difficult, it is, to talk about this when you don't have a solid foundation. One of the things that, and we're going to talk about this right now, because Paul, he alludes to the Macedonians. He says, look at those guys. But, but you know, those guys, they're doing well because of you guys, because of what you started last year. And everybody else said, I want to be a part of that. I want to be able to give to that. How can I be a part of what God is doing in this kingdom? Well, Paul says, well, just, just give. And As a matter of fact, he tells the people in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to go to Macedonia soon. I'm going to go to Jerusalem soon. That church is poor. The mother church, the church that started all these other churches, the mother church is in financial straits. And you have to understand as to why it is that they were in financial straits and as to why it was that they were going through a lot of problems. When when Christianity exploded, it exploded in Jerusalem and it exploded during the the feast of Passover. And Passover, there were thousands of people that came from all over the world. They came from 16 different languages that, were, that heard the gospel message. 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people were saved. And people just stuck around to find out what was going on next. And so they, the, 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 all that work, all that depletion of resources and the monies that they brought with them, they had no more. And so people were giving to help them. This is why during the time of of the rising up of the church that everybody was gathering together, and they were giving to the apostles. They sold all their belongings, and they brought it to the apostles so that everybody can have something. And so as the church started to grow, it started to get persecuted. And as the persecution started to rise, a lot of these people lost their jobs, lost their incomes, lost their way of life. And on top of that, you have just the regular persecution of their own people in prison. And then the sicknesses and the illnesses, the church became drained of all its resources. And Paul, as he's going out throughout the nations, the peoples, and he's talking to them about what the church in Jerusalem had done, he says, you you need a help. How can you help? Well, we have some, and we'll give you what we have. And it blew Paul's socks off, if he would have had socks. It blew his sandals off his feet, that people just gave out of their necessity, out of their need, out of what they did not have. Amen. And what Paul says, you know, this, this is exactly what I've been talking about. See, you can love, okay? You can, you can give, excuse me, you can give without loving. You can. And, and we do that all the time. There's things that we give to and people that we give to, and we really not necessarily have this agape love, but you cannot have agape love and not give. If you say that you love God, if you say that you love Jesus Christ, if you say that you've come to saving knowledge and redeemed by what he has done for you, you have within you, you have within you what is called the grace of giving. And it's just a matter of playing it out in the best way that you can. And not out of what you don't have, but out of the abundance that you do. I don't know if you know this or not, but the poorest of the poor in our United States of America are doing way better than one-third of the world our garbage disposals eat more than most of the populations in the third world countries. So you know, we throw away more food than some people eat in a day. So and it is it is just beyond me to say that there are poor people in the United States when there are, are so many resources all over the place within churches, and the governments and programs and so many different things. And so when Paul is talking to Timothy, and he tells them, you know, encourage the rich to give. A lot of us, we go, okay, well, that's not me. No, that is you. Because you are way better off than most people in the world. Amen. And so when we give, when we understand this giving of grace, this graceful giving, it comes and it's motivated, number one, by God's grace. God's grace, number one, motivates me to give. His grace is the one that motivates me to give. He gave. God, every time you give, you become more like God. You become godly because God gave. He yeah. gave His one and only begotten Son. Yeah. Yeah. We all receive the benefits and blessings of God. Yeah. God's grace it just abounds to everyone. Not the saving grace, but the common grace that every one of us gets. The Bible says that the, God causes the sun to shine on the righteous as well as the unrighteous. And this common grace that everybody has and receives is the grace that you have and you receive. But you've also received, beloved, the saving grace, the grace that has saved you from eternal damnation and the grace that has recognized your sin and yeah. that grace that was placed upon the cross to yeah. die for that sin. Yeah. And so, because God is motivated, this is what Paul says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. And we've been talking about the grace of God. We've been sharing with you what the grace of God is. And the grace of God is basically saying that I am a sinner. You are a sinner. We've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. And when we talk about that grace, we have to recognize and realize nothing on this planet means more to me than the the saving power of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did on the cross for me has implications that go out into eternity. Uh, And it it extends all the way out to eternity. And I am able to spend eternity with God. Beloved, you are able to spend eternity with God. My goal is to get as many people to that point where they can spend eternity with God. And Paul says, I want you to know about this grace of God. And then he goes on to say, that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. They understand this grace in Macedonia. Macedonia is an area. There were a lot of different churches up there. And they, they said, he says, you know, they, they've understood this. They understand what, what this grace means. Yeah. And, and then Paul says, you know, and write this down. This this will be in this is kind of like right there in your in your outline or in that verse in verses one through two. But it says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy of and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Number one, if you write this down somewhere, because it's not in your outlines, they gave during difficult times. They gave when things were just downright difficult. Their churches were being attacked from outside, kind of like what we're being attacked with right now. Their churches have been, uh, and their pastors were being imprisoned. People were being killed for their faith, and yet they gave. Paul says, you know, the church in Jerusalem, they're going, perse- they're going through a lot of persecution. Can you give? Well, yeah. <laughs> they're the ones that helped us out, spiritually speaking. You know, I understand what I've been saved from. I Take what I have. Paul says, hey, just, just what you can give. They gave even though it was difficult. They gave with abundant joy. See, you cannot give without giving with joy. If you give reluctantly or under, under compulsion, as we'll read in chapter 9, God doesn't like one that gives reluctantly or one that gives under compulsion or one is forced to give. You give it with joy. You don't think about it. You, just, you know, just Here it is. Here's my t- 10% that I'm going to give this week. Here's my whatever amount that I want to give. There's no amount put to it. As a matter of fact, if you really want to be biblical, 10% is not enough. These guys were given everything. If you really want to get biblical, they were given out of their poverty, out of what they didn't have. They gave out of their poverty. That's the third thing. They gave generously and above and beyond. Paul will find out here. You know, we come to find out that they gave above and beyond. And give as you're able not as you are not able. And we'll talk about that in chapter 9. But again, it's, it's not under compulsion. Don't ever give to a church or a pastor, or even if I were to tell you, look, you know, and start pulling at your heartstrings, and can you imagine that poor widow and those orphan children, and I start showing you pictures. And, you know, don't, don't do that that way. You give because God has placed it in your heart to give. And if God has not placed it in your heart to give, and you feel that, yeah, I got plenty of money, but God didn't tell me anything, then I would say there's something seriously wrong. Because, again, we started off with the grace of God. We started off with what God has already given us. Look at verses 3 through 5. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected. Throughout these next two chapters, Paul is not talking about giving to the church. Paul is not talking about paying the bills. Paul is not talking about advancing the the building program. He's not talking about, and I want you to know something, beloved, and you probably have noticed it, maybe you haven't, but we have not asked one penny of you for the building program that we're going through right now. We have not said, oh, we're running out of money. Oh, you know, you got to give because look at how far. God has provided everything through you. In so many different ways, and before you even knew that there was going to be a building program, God had already provided it, and that's what God does. And so, when you give, it's not because I'm forcing you, or I'm asking you, or I'm begging you. They're going to turn off the you know turn off the lights. Hey, we got somewhere to sit outside now, (laughs) but they're not going to turn off the lights. God has provided generously through you and those that give online. And those that mail it in, God provides in such a and he's done this for the last 20 years that I've been here. And on and on and on. Prior to us, as a matter of fact, yeah, prior to us getting here, they closed this building down. It was shut down. Well, Terry, you were here. Yeah. They shut this building down. And then they gave it to Terry's pastor at that time, Pastor Ron. And it was hard for them to keep it going in the same direction. They asked, I was looking for a building. Is this a pastor tell so you want? Yeah. Give it to us. And uh, they gave me the keys. They go, there's a note on the building. You have to pay that off. Okay, no problem. We took care of it. A couple other bills that we had to take care of along the way. But ever since the beginning, we have been self-sustaining totally by God's grace. And, And so I can testify to you, beloved, on how God's grace actually works and what he does. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. And that's not even in my life just in people's lives that have come through here, that have moved on, that have gone up to the different parts of uh, the area, the Inland Empire. And so we give and we do, God's grace, the grace of giving, God's grace motivates us to give. Number two, I must first give of myself to the Lord. The first thing that you have to do is give of yourself. If I want to give gracefully, if I want to be a part of God's graceful giving, I need to give of myself to the Lord. In verses 5 through 6, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You know, this is interesting. The, the, Paul is saying, you know, Macedonians, they gave. Uh, they gave themselves to God, first of all. They says, you know what? Whatever you want, God. We're going to give you all our life. And they says, you know what? Not only am I going to tell you, God, Jesus Christ, that I love you. Not only am I going to say that and believe that you died on the cross for me. But Paul, check this out. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I love God will you give? Well, you know, I can't right now. You know, are you willing to commit to 10% of your income? Yeah, no. You only believe what you do. And we might say that we love God. We might say that we love the church. We might say all these things, but when it comes to money, you know, it's amazing on how some people that, you know, and I know a lot of people, a lot of believing Christians that will spend, you know, just do whatever it takes to get to their temple and take their donations and walk into this huge, glamorous building and walk up and place all their donations at the altar of the slot machine. You know, and, and you see and you hear, oh, man, I lost 200, 300. I lost, four. man, I lost a lot of money. And I know people personally that tell me this. I says, why don't you give it to the church? Heck no. Give it to the church. Give it to the church. no, no. It, I, I, I don't understand that. And the reason being is because most people, so-called Christians, have not given themselves to the Lord as of yet. That's the first thing. And then check this out. He says, not only did they give themselves to the Lord, but by the will of God to us. Paul says, you know, and they gave themselves to us. The people of North Park Baptist Church are the greatest living example of what a church needs to be. As people have come and gone through here, it's just been amazing, a huge blessing on how people have given of themselves. And I know I talked about this a while back, a few Sundays ago, on the greatest joy of being a pastor is the people, being part of the family. And one of the greatest disappointments is, you know, the people that leave, you know, being a part of the family. And some people leave out of choice, some people leave out of, because they moved up to the high desert or wherever, And, and it's heartbreaking. But... All in all, when I put it all together, what what really stands out more than anything else are those that have been willing to say, Pastor, what can I do to serve? What can I do to help? What can I do to encourage? And and North Park has always been that type of a church, always. And people that come here and they experience those that are here and they shake hands and they they hold on and they say, this is a loving group. That is the highest compliment a pastor can be paid. That you yourselves are reaching out in the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you know, they gave themselves to the Lord, but they also gave themselves to us. You know, we're just servants. We're, don't give us any homage. Don't give us any praise. Don't give us, you know, but but they did. And they trusted and they followed and they heard the word of God. And then he goes on to say, accordingly, to, we urge Titus that he, has, as he has started, so he should complete the among you, this act of grace. You know, Titus, you started this, you started going, and, but as you excel in everything, he says, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. A little bit more on that uh, in just a little bit. So, so this, is, this is what he's saying. He says, you know, I, you know, God's motivated. You need to be motivated. You know, Jesus is, God, is, Jesus is, is motivated also because number three, Jesus is model, the grace of giving. God's grace motivates me to give. I must first give of myself to the Lord, and Jesus' model is the grace of giving. He models the grace of giving. And these are ways that we can give as an act of grace. Paul says, in one of the tightest and most succinct theological statements in Scripture, verse 9, I wish I had time to expound on it. I just want to give you this. We call it the kenosis uh, theology the emptying of self, which we find in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, where God, where Jesus Christ emptied himself. But he says here, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, stop there, think about this, God the Father, the creator of all things, all things were created by Jesus Christ, they were created by him and for him. He has everything that anyone can ever want or desire on the planet, and yet, when he was rich, yet for your sake for my sake. This is humbling, beloved. It should be. He became poor. He just gave it all up. Now think about this. God himself being crucified on the cross for you, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. He gave it all up. You see, Jesus models the grace of giving. The Macedonians modeled the grace of giving. God modeled the grace of giving. And Paul is saying, just like that. How do you give? You give sacrificially. You give out of your abundance. Not out of your abundance. You give joyfully. You give, and you give because God gave. Jesus Christ gave. And you give it in such a way that you put others ahead of yourself. You put others ahead of yourself. In Philippians chapter two, verses six and seven, it says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he, kenosis, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. I can't wait till we get to that portion of scripture. Bottom line, Jesus Christ, God himself, he just emptied himself. And he limited his power. He says, I'm putting this aside. I'm becoming man. And he was still God, but he emptied himself of all the richness and took the form of a servant. And he lived among his people, and his people did not accept him. And though he existed eternally in the form of God, possessing all riches of deity, Jesus, he emptied himself, became poor by taking on the form of a bondservant. Jesus says, I didn't come to get served. I came to serve. And being made of the likeness of men, he suffered human weakness. He also had limitations. He became hungry. He cried. He was thirsty. He was tired. And he was you know, angry at the injustice. And he was tempted in all ways, but he didn't sin. And completely, Jesus identified with his people. In the incarnation, that's what we call in the flesh, in the incarnation, the eternal God became poor. For your sake, for my sake to show the desperate sinner that God is a God of love and he came for his people. This glorious truth that that, that Christians that we've been blessed with, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, through his self-emptying, self-sacrificial love. This is the giving that God expects for us to give. Give sacrificially. Give out out of your riches, out of what you have. Give. Number four, I must maintain what I started. I must maintain what I started. Rather than demand a, a, spe- a specific amount, Paul motivated them by reading, reminding them that they were the first ones to begin the giving. They, be, they started giving a, a year ago. And in this matter, he says, I give my judgment. This benefit, this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in, in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Remember, Paul's writing a letter. He's somewhere else. He's in Troas, and, and he's writing a letter. He's written the letter. Titus has delivered it. Uh, Titus has read it, or they read it. Titus has brought the news back, and so that now he's saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm on my way. I'm going to pass through there. I don't want to be mad at you guys when I get there. Straighten things out. When I get there, let's fellowship. Let's, I don't want to have to be yelling at you guys. I mean, because, but I, I yell at you because I love you. And I, but I want to spend time in fellowship. So get this, th- this read. You started this. You were the ones that initiated it. And you were not only the ones that initiated it, but you started it. Keep going after it. Maintain what you started, maintain it. And so he didn't say, you know, put aside 10%. He didn't say, you know, put a, an X amount of dollar. He says, no, just give. Oh boy, and did they give? And they gave cheerfully and willingly, because God loves a cheerful giver. We'll see that here in the next chapter. So th- there are many who start even th- that, that start off well. People say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give." And we had a lot of people, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year. And one of the things that really concerned us, I guess you would say, was when this COVID hit and a lot of things started to, to happen. People stopped showing up, and and we says, "Okay, well, you know, we're just going to have to trust God." and and then all of a sudden there was this, what they called, a, a, I forget, the PPP, I guess. It's kind of like a loan that you can get from the bank with no interest. And if you can prove that you used it all, and uh, then you don't have to give it back. And, and they sent me, a, the, I, you know, me and the bank manager, I'm not going to mention which bank manager, we, we have a very close relationship. And he called me, he says, Al fill this out quick. You'll be the first ones in line. And I says, all right. So I downloaded it. Very few questions, very little questions. And the amount that I was, we were going to get, and I says, wow, that would really help us out. I really sat there and I prayed about it and I says, you know I just I just I just didn't feel right I mean I filled it out but I never signed it and so he calls me up a couple, hey you haven't sent that application back what's going on? yeah, you know what I'm still praying about that And after a while you know I went into the bank and I says, you know I want you to know something we're not going to do it you're not. He says, no, we're we're not, you know, well, it's kind of too late now, but, you know, because, I mean, it's too late to actually put in the application, because he says, man, we got so many apps, and everybody's hurting, and every, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. That very next week, a huge check came in the mail. It just blew us away. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. And, And so what we have to understand is when we start to give, and things can get hard. Things can get tough. And by the way, and I can say not only of our church, but a lot of the other churches that God has been blessing. And there's some churches that just have not made it. But I talked to a pastor friend of mine just recently. He says, "You know, you know, Sal, last month was the highest giving ever of our church. People are just coming by and bringing their donations. And their, you know, we, I mean, God is just being faithful." I says, "Yeah. What were you afraid of? Open up your church." And, and God has provided, and, and the same thing here, God is actually taking care of our place. Because people like you, people that have committed and said, you know, we're going to do this, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard, but the reason you're doing this, and this is kind of more of a reminder for those of you that are giving is because you were motivated by God's grace because Jesus gave you an example and gave you the example of what the fall of giving grace, that you gave yourself first and foremost to the Lord and now you're realizing, you know, I'm, I'm in way too deep. I got to maintain what I'm doing. And I, I know that this is difficult. Some people give, you know, they start off strong and then they, they fizzle off. And I go, well, you know, again, are you seriously thinking about what God's done for you? Because we must give. We must give in a sense that that God has blessed us with. That is what we do. Number five, I must manage my giving. Not only maintain, but I must manage. He says, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. In essence, don't go in debt. Don't borrow money to give to the church. Don't, you know, rob the, the Let me see if I can put this this way. When, when I get paid at a job, I get paid at a job, uh, and, and so I have to have a job. And so when I, when, I, when I leave my work, I need a place to go. So I go and I talk to a real estate agent, a landlord or whatever, and, and I say, well, I like this house. How much is it? What's well, 250000 Wow, that's a lot of money. He says, yeah, do you have 250000 No. Okay, well, we're going to make a contract. For 30 years, can you pay, you know, $1,500 a month? I go, well, yeah, I can do that. Okay, so that's the contract we made. So you have this house now, and it's not yours yet because, you know, you haven't paid it off. And once the 30 years are over and it's all paid off or sooner, then it's your house. But until then, you have agreed to pay $1,500. All right, great. So now I have a house to come home to. Now I need electricity. I say, well, or, or utilities. And I go, and the, the every one of them say, okay, we'll, we'll make a contract. You'll pay month by month, and this is this is how much you'll pay, or depending on how much you use. I need furniture. I need a car. I make contracts. I make deals. and Okay, and so I might be getting paid $5,000 a month. I don't know. I'm just throwing out a figure. $5,000, $6,000 a month. I'm getting $6,000 a month. And out of that $6,000, I know that 3500 is already called for. That money that I make, and here, here's my mistake. My mistake was... That on Friday, I got my paycheck. This is my money. I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. It is not your money. That money does not belong to you. It belongs to the people that you made a contract with. My mistake was: it was my money. It's Friday night, party time, Saturday, party time, Sunday, or you know, Monday shows up. Hey, I only got 50 bucks. I can't pay anything. I might as well spend that also. That was my lifestyle. That was my lifestyle. I, I hate to admit it. And so because my mistake was thinking that that was my money. No, it wasn't. I made an agreement ahead of time to make it to the bank or to wherever it was it was supposed to go. It was their money. I was indentured to them because of what they gave me. And so we have to manage this giving. We have to manage this giving. And the best way to do this is by using a managing system. Now, one system that has worked within the church has always been the tithe, the 10%. It's not commanded. It's not what you have to do. You don't have to give 10% to be at the church, but let's use that as an example. Yeah. And, so I, and as a matter of fact, for most people that have been giving at this church on a regular basis, no longer give a tithe. They've all given above and beyond. I mean, 10% was just a starting point for some, for some of us. And so anyways, we start off with that, and what, what we have found out, what I have found out in the counseling process, say for instance, we'll use that, that figure of $6,000. Okay, $6,000 you bring in, and, and so 10% of that is 600 bucks, and you want to divide that up in a couple of weeks or months or whatever you want to do that, $300 every two weeks, $150 every week, and you do that, and, and it seems difficult, yes, yeah, so well the person that makes $3,000 has to give 300 and that's difficult for them too. As opposed to the guy that gives, 10, he earns 10000 they give, you know, and so on. It, it's equal, it's an equal share. And what I have found is when people are not faithful in their giving and their commitment and believing that, you know, this is what God's called them to do, they start to fall behind and all these bounce checks and finances and all these things that seem to pile on and make things harder almost always add up to that amount 300, 600, whatever. Always seems to add up to that much in in Malachi uh, God told the people in Israel you know if you stop robbing me from my tithe and the offerings uh I, then I'll, I'll hold back the devourer but until you do so that devourer is going to come in and the devourer the word devourer is the word that is used of the locust that ate up all the crops and that devourer came in and just ate everything up and in my life he would eat everything up you know I, I had no I had no nothing left over. My car kept breaking down. My refrigerator kept going out. But when we learned the principle of giving, God held back that devourer and things just seemed to last a lot longer. I'm proud to say that I have a vehicle right now that has 250,000 miles on it with no major work on it. God has held the devourer back. And, you know, just minor maintenance and just keeping up some things. And, 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 you know, we had a vehicle, another vehicle that, same thing. God held back the devour until one day the car caught on fire. I don't know what happened there, you know. I I, I try to, how that happen, Lord? He says, what well, you needed a new car. Okay. <laughs> Insurance paid it off. We bought another car. Okay. I mean, it worked out. Uh, you know, but at first it's, okay, what happened here? I thought, yeah, okay. But, yeah, when God gets rid of something, he gets rid of it, Okay. <laughs> He does. But when you manage to give on a regular basis, and it should always be from the top, not from what's left over. Okay, it's always okay. This is this is what I'm gonna give. I'm committing to give this. And I'm gonna give this from the top, and everything else falls in its place. I mean, the government gets 20%, don't they? If you're single, I don't know what your tax bracket is at. But anywhere from 15 to 20 percent, they're already taking their cut. Did you know? That your tax is due, not on the 15th, but your tax is due the moment you make it. The government comes in and says they take it for you. And the the employer helps you. Uh, This is the government's. Whether you agree to it or not, that's theirs. (laughs) And so they take their... And then at the end of the year, if you gave too much, they'll give some of it back to you. And you feel happy. Oh, look what they gave. They didn't give you nothing. (laughs) They've been taking it all away from you all year long. And what type of benefit do you get out of that? See, when you give to the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. Amen. Why store up here on this earth where moths and rust will destroy? Amen. Store up for yourselves gifts, treasures in heaven. So we manage it, we work with it, and we give not above and beyond our means, or we give within our means, and if you if you can give sacrificially, every once in a while give. And, and well, I'll, I'll share this with you in just a little bit. I just I must manage my giving. Number six, I want to share this with you. Uh, Material blessings. Material blessings further the kingdom of God. See, Paul says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. Paul didn't want to cause any burden on you. He didn't want to cause any burden on the church or the people and make them rich. It wasn't like he was taking all this money and socketing it over here, investing it in them, and they get all the Cadillacs and everything else. That's not what Paul was talking about. But that, as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. And at the same time, Paul was not trying to build this socialistic uh, ladder. He was, he was not trying to get everybody in common either. Because Paul knows, and, and you know this as well, that Paul said, if you do not work, you don't eat. Bottom line. I always thought my mom was the one that said that. <laughs> I always thought my mom was the one that came up with that. Phrase, you don't eat, You don't work, you're not going to eat. Okay. But that's what Paul said to the people in Thessalonica. And these guys that were in Thessalonica, they were up on the mountaintop waiting for Jesus to come back because they heard he was coming back. Paul shows up. What are those guys doing? Oh, they're waiting for Jesus. And what are you guys doing? Oh, we're taking them food. Why? Because they're hungry. <laughs> Aren't they working out? They're waiting for Jesus. Paul put a stop to that. Look, if they don't work, they don't eat. That's all there is to it. You know, what but, but, you know, well, they're waiting for you. What about you? Are you waiting? Yeah, I'm waiting for Jesus too. But we're going to work while we're waiting for Jesus and take care of what we need to take care of. And But what we give, what we give is able to bless the people. Because what Paul says, eventually, as it is written, uh, wait a minute, for I do not mean that the others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. You are able to, they can't. One day, you're not going to be able to, and they will. That's the way it works. We help each other out within the congregation. Now, what I was going to say, this is not for the church. What Paul is talking about is helping other believers. That's what he's instructing us to do. And we do so in a sense of people that genuinely need work or help. And, and not just, okay, well, I'm giving people you know a dollar at the, at the street corners or at Stater Brothers or whatever. It's not, it's not in that manner. It's not just giving monies away haphazardly. God wants you to be a good steward. It's doing it in such a way that it benefits other believers. We have a couple of programs within our church that we give on a regular basis every month. We send 10% of what we received to what's called a cooperative program. The cooperative program, what it does is it starts other churches. Everything that you give, a portion of that goes to these cooperative programs. We have homes, we have uh, pregnancy centers, we have uh, missionaries all over the world that are uh, spreading the gospel that you are a part of because you give on a regular basis. And so we are trying to do what we can to, with the little that we have. And it's not a lot, it's not the amount. It's the heart. It's what you have in your heart that you give. But what you give, and what this person gives, and what that person gives, come together. It it, it makes the building. Or excuse me, makes the growing of the church more feasible. And so we help each other out, and you and you go through the church. Not just uh, you can, or, you, or if you see a brother or somebody that's in need, you help them out, and they in turn will help you out. But Paul says, and God says, be careful. Just don't give it away to anybody. I, I stop giving money to people that are asking for it on the streets. I, I don't. I, I, I stopped doing that years ago. What I do is, is how can I help you? Yeah. Well, I need five bucks. Well, no, no. Yeah. How can I help you? Yeah. Do you need a ride? Do you need to go somewhere? Well, I need some food. I says, well, you know, I can take you somewhere where they have food. Can't you give me any money? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't give money out anymore because, you know, if they really want help, I can help you. I'll take you to a, uh, a couple of places that I know of, some homes, a ranch, or I'll take you to places that you can get some help. I don't want that kind of help. Well, what do you want? I just want money. I can't help you. Then I, I just stop saying, I can't help you. One person asked me one time, Well, you don't have any money? I just saw you going to the store. I didn't say I didn't have any money. I says I can't help you. You want help? Yes. Come on. No. I know it's difficult. It's hard. And, and it's, that's, that's what I do. And I know some of you feel like, you know, well, I need it. Well, that's okay. If God's placed it within your heart to do that, then go ahead. And, you know, but that's that's on you. The last thing I want to share with you is magnify your giving. And we need to go back to verses 5 and 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in all our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I needed to go back to it because Paul put it right at the beginning, and I'd like to close with that part because this is the challenge for all of us, that we need to magnify. We need to make it bigger, greater. And I don't know how God is calling you to do that. You know, and whatever it is, God's going to give it to you in your heart. He's going to share with you what it is that you should do. Because, you know, you say you have faith. Well, great, and that's fantastic. Paul says, just like you excel in your faith. Just like you excel in your speech, in learning how to talk about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Just as you excel in your learning, in your knowledge, in your earnestness, and in your love for us. Just like all those things, Paul says, I want you to increase, I want you to magnify your giving on this act of grace. Giving as an act of grace starts with God. When I give myself to God. Because Jesus Christ himself emptied himself of being God. And he asked us to maintain these things that we started when we committed ourselves to giving before God and manage what God has given us and understanding that everything I give furthers the kingdom of God. Yeah. So I want to magnify my giving because I want to magnify God, magnify the Lord and worship him. And I want to give myself in a way that will magnify him. Because ultimately, it's about Him, not about the church. It's all about Him. Let me ask you to stand. I Father in heaven, I want to thank you again. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's sometimes uncomfortable, and it challenges us. And if it's uncomfortable, Lord, in whatever way, fashion, then we need to check ourselves. We need to identify what it is that's making us uncomfortable. And I pray, Father, that each one of us can understand this grace of giving. You gave. Jesus gave. The Macedonians gave. The churches gave. And everyone gave, Lord, and everybody's giving. And so we ask you, Father, we know that, that all these things that we have here on this earth are not going to go with us. Oh, Only Lord. that will we send ahead will we, we be blessed with, as Jesus said. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure's at. In my heart, I've committed it to you, my Lord. So allow me to place my treasures there as well in everything that I do. So Father, thank you again for for the grace that you give us and the model that you have displayed upon us and how you've brought us to this point. Help us to be good stewards of all that we have and how you've blessed us. Father, we pray that you just dismiss us now from this place and you keep us safe as we travel back and forth until we meet again and that we, Lord, that we understand That all together, we are a mighty fortress, a mighty army. So thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen amen, and amen. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Amen. We are dismissed. Thank you.